Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name is Ray Heron. Coming up in this show, we've got some news. We're going to inform you on what's happening uh, for the show for the next few weeks. Uh, and we've got to say a massive thank you to Motomark, who, uh, well, if you've had a dirty weekend, you can uh, get your bike clean with the minimum a minimum of hassle and uh, no elbow grease, thanks to the pink stuff, Motomark. Go to motomark.co.nz and that's what's been keeping our bikes clean for the last few weeks and for the next few weeks as we get into uh, what is going to be an epic season, an epic series, we've got four episodes of bucket list rides around New Zealand, great rides of God's own. Uh, we're going to be tackling such tracks as Fisher's Track in the Central Plateau and, of course, the 42nd Traverse. We're going to be going down to the South Island and tackling some absolutely epic high country. And uh, we're going to be sending Ben Wilkins, editor Kiwi Rider magazine, way down south to check out the, uh, the Central Otago and Canterbury tracks as well. It's all coming up this season. Welcome to 2021. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Let's get into the news. Toby Price has crashed out of Dakar 2021. Australian Toby Price has seen his Dakar 2021 title hopes dashed after crashing out of the infamous rally raid. Price crashed out during the ninth stage of the rally after pulling off an impressive effort during the marathon stage. Dakar officials announced that the popular mullet-wearing Australian crashed out at the 155th kilometre of the stage and injured his left arm and shoulder. As a result, Price was airlifted to hospital for x-rays and has withdrawn from the rally. At the time of the crash, Price was only one minute behind the overall race leader, making it for an even harder blow. American Honda rider Ricky Brabeck and Price's teammate Sam Sunderland stopped to assist the fallen rider until medical help arrived. Both lost around 15 minutes of race time, but this is expected to be struck off by race officials. 2020 is made for the best year in New Zealand motorcycle sales in a decade. This week, the Motor Industry Association released its annual full-year sales figures, with the year's Kiwi motorcycle sales going down as the best in the past decade. In total, and against the challenges from the global pandemic, a total of 8,950 motorcycles and mopeds hit the roads in 2020, up 600 from 2019, while scooter and moped sales dropped slightly, down 67 to 1,842 units. Big bikes, those requiring a Class 6 license were up by 667, with big sales numbers from several popular models. For 2020, it was the adventure bikes taking the top two positions in the sales charts, with the Yamaha Tenere 700 rounding out its debut year with 203 units hitting the road, while the legendary Suzuki DR650 SE closed out its last full year on sale with 191 models sold. Following the adventure bikes, the other top selling bikes tended to fall into the learner approved category with the Kawasaki Ninja 400 selling 153 units, the Yamaha YZF-R3 selling 150 units and the Harley Davidson Street 500 selling 145 units rounding out the top 5 bikes of 2020. Despite supply issues, 2020 has proved that there is an appetite for new motorcycles in New Zealand as buyers appear to be spending their overseas holiday money on adventures closer to home. However, 2021 will be a completely different kettle of fish, 
thanks to the final stage of the ABS law change coming into play from November 1st, which will see analogue bikes without ABS such as the DR650SE no longer available for sale, with many manufacturers still featuring many non-ABS models in their New Zealand lineups. We expect to see drastic changes from the Kiwi motorcycle landscape this year. The top 10 motorcycles sold in New Zealand in 2020. At number 10, the Honda Shadow 150. Number 9, the Royal Enfield Interceptor and Yamaha MT-03. Number 8, KTM's Duke 200. Number 7, the Suzuki GSX 250. Number 6, the GSX 150. At number 5, the Harley-Davidson Street 500. Number 4, the YZF R3. Number 3, the Ninja 400. Number 2, the DR650SE. And number 1, the Yamaha Tenere 700. Honda has added voice control and more with a new motorcycle app. Like many other brands trying to integrate useful technology into their lineups, Honda has announced the launch of its own bespoke app for owners bringing a host of useful features to the brand in 2021. The app is called RoadSync and is free to download from the App Store, which allows riders of the 2021 XADV, Forza 750 scooter and CBR1000 to tap into their bike directly via Bluetooth, opening up extra functionality including voice commands, navigation, music control and even the weather forecast. On the move, all functionality is operated through a combination of voice commands and the four-way toggle switch located on the left-hand handlebar, meaning the rider doesn't need to fumble around with their smartphone and can leave it safely stowed away. Currently, the only other model with the potential to use the app is the Forza 350 scooter, which offers it as an optional extra, but we expect Honda will slowly roll this functionality out throughout the entire range as each model is updated. No word yet on when the tech will be available in New Zealand, but it is starting to roll out across the EU and the UK this month. And that about rounds up the news. If you want to know more, you want to see some photos, some specs and all that jazz, hit up the latest Kiwi Rider magazine at kiwirider.co.nz or shoot over and see Matt's website on throttle.co.nz. Time now though to continue our Our Bike series with The Wandering Eye. Nick Edwards explains the highs and lows of the Round Eye Speed Triple Ownership. Words by Nick Edwards. It was back in 2012 when I walked into my local Triumph dealer to check out the latest model Speed Triple. I'd always been a fan of the bug-eyed Street Fighter look, which Triumph had taken from the custom scene and run with. The bike had a reputation as fun regardless of whether you were riding crazy or lazy. My intention walking up was to have a test ride on an X-Demo 2011 model, the first model year which Triumph dropped the round eye look and switched to the insect eyes the Speedy has worn ever since. What was on my mind as I walked out of the shop was a completely different matter. Caught my eye. There in the middle of the showroom floor was a mint 2010 Speed Triple SE Special Edition. Wearing a beautiful two-tone red and white paint scheme, that's slightly retro. That was the one that caught my wandering eye. It even had the colour matched pillion seat, which was a nice touch. The SE had 8,000 kilometres on the clock, and a couple of days later, my name was on the rego papers. All about the beef. First impressions, engine. 
It's all about the engine. It was and still is one of the most fun, usable motors I've had the pleasure of riding. While it only claims about 130 horsepower, the torque is where the fun lives. It's the sort of motor that on back roads you can leave in third or fourth gear. There's no real need to constantly change the gears, just ride the big beefy torque curve from 3000 rpm all the way to where the blue change gear or you'll break something lights that circle the rev cutter start flashing. And they're configurable, so if you like the light show you could set them to come on at 7000 rpm or less, but where's the fun in that? Did I mention that the engine is great and pulls like a tractor and sounds awesome? The twin OEM exhausts always give out a laughing burble on the overrun, and that turned into an inoffensive but slightly maniacal crackle when I replaced the cans with a pair of Triumph branded Arrow slip-ons. They are really nicely finished pipes and aren't easy to lay your hands on, but they look and sound great and they're worth the effort to track down, although they aren't cheap. I think these ones cost me about 1200 Australian. A lot of people go for the single low boy exhaust option and this had the secondary benefit of less weight that's carried lower, but I wanted to retain the speedy signature high pipe look. Pre-techno babble. There's nothing complicated about older speedies, no ABS, no rider aids, no quick shifter, no ride by wire, no safety related acronyms. About the only nod to the modern world is a digital speedo and those taco lights. The fuel tank on the triple is much narrower than the one on my previous bikes and that took a bit of getting used to as I didn't feel as locked into the bike as I was used to. And the bar position was a little too upright for my liking with too much rise and sweep. That wasn't something I addressed immediately, but I eventually replaced the standard bars with Pro Taper's Carmichael Bend. While I liked how flat they were, I found them too wide, which bent my wrists uncomfortably on long rides. After spending some time on a 2015 Street Triple R and finding the riding position to be spot on, I got a set of those bars, and they've been there ever since. Slightly lower and a bit less sweep, and the same width as the standard bars, I find them much more comfortable than the standard or the Carmichael's. I've not toured on it, but I have had some longish days in the saddle, and it's not a tiring bike to ride. The flexibility of the engine is at the heart of its rideability, and the brakes are well matched to the performance. I keep the engine spinning above 4000 rpm, and it only needs the throttle cranked back a touch for engine braking to bleed off a few kilometers per hour very quickly. A dab of front brake will wash off a few more, but it's entirely possible to stick the bike on its nose with just one finger of lever pull. I know this from personal experience from when a large lump of tree detached from its trunk and hit the ground closer in the front of me than I would have liked. Remember though, there's no ABS, so it's all down to your hand and your brain. The seat isn't particularly forgiving for long days in the saddle. I'd love to get a genuine Triumph gel seat for it, but these are super rare and silly expensive. It would also have the side benefit of raising the seat height a little, something my long and not so young knees would appreciate. The pegs are quite high, and it does crank my knees in a bit. I actually quite like the riding position, but it can be a little wearying. Thankfully there's enough room under the seat for a sheet of ibuprofen, but only just. 
There are four little fabric loops on the seat pan which are the perfect size to hook a soft luggage to, exactly the right size for the hooks you get on Krieger soft bags. Handy, as I've got a couple of those. Whilst fiddling around with the bars, I made another couple of changes. You've probably seen a fair few triumphs with bar end mirrors. To me, they look a lot better than the standard item, and what do you know, they actually give you a much better view of the road behind. The only disadvantage is that they do make the bike a fair bit wider, so if you do a lot of lane splitting, they may not be for you. I also replaced the standard levers with shorty SDR units. I'm a bit funny about how controls are set up, and the bend of standard levers didn't quite sit right for me. The SDRs are not as bling or as expensive as Rizoma, but they look pretty good, and the bend and position of them is spot on for me. All things considered, I'm happy my eye was turned by another strumpet that day. It is a little agricultural compared to modern versions, and there are areas such as paint finish and suspension where manufacturing cost considerations clearly had a consequence. That said, the thing with street triples is they are very personal weapons of choice. Triumph gives you the canvas and you do the painting. And hell, I really do like the artwork I ended up with. And just to prove that the ghost of Joe Lucas, Prince of Darkness, lives on in the Triumph brand, one of the headlight bulbs blew just as I finished writing this. Easy fix, and the chrome on the headlight shells was well due a polish anyway. If you'd like to read the full version of this story, or check out the photos in full specs, head to kiwirider.co.nz and read December 2020, Volume 1. Well, Christmas is done, New Year's is done, holidays are done, and most of us are going back to work. And crock, as I sit here recording this episode on a gorgeous Wednesday afternoon, the sun is streaming through the garage. It's uh, 7 o'clock at night, and it's 28 degrees in uh, Upper Hutt. Sitting here looking at the Tenere 700, the bike that I've been after for so, so long, and uh, now I've got it, and we're going to be taking it on some epic, epic roads. Uh, I can let you in on a little secret. We're going to be tackling the 40-second traverse, and the bike did absolutely outstandingly. I'm uh, going to let you in on uh, the modifications that we've done to the Tenere 700. Got a skid plate, actually, and that was something that Matt, when he went to the international launch, he mentioned that the factory skid plate looked a little bit soft, a little bit alloy, a little bit flimsy, a little bit thin. So I hit up uh, some good mates, some well, near good mates now, some good people at Outback Motortech. As far as I'm aware, they are based in Canada. Uh, they've got branches in Europe and they've got a branch in Australia as well. Outback Motortech. They make crash cages, pannier racks, and of course skid plates. And so I replaced that skid plate that was on there with a massive solid black unit. And it's like a gong now. Anytime a rock hits it, you're going to hear it. Dong! It's a fantastically solid piece of kit. Does add a little bit of weight to the bike, but uh, you know it's it's a best part of 200 kgs anyway, so it doesn't make too much of a difference. Uh, also put a crash cage or crash bars on the bike. Uh, also Outback Motortech. Now they make um, some really cool looking uh, crash bars. You can get them in blue, you can get them in red. You get them for all sorts of different bikes as well. I've seen some really nice Africa Twins with those uh, crash bars on. But I went for the classic black, tough looking black, and we put that on 
the uh, the Tenere 700. If you've missed out seeing some photos of the Tenere 700, I highly recommend just go to um, Instagram or you or um, or Facebook, and you'll see all the photos there. I've got the uh, competition white one, so it's white and red, uh, and it's a it's a it's a stunning looking bike. So we've got the crash bars on there and the skid plate, thanks thanks to Motortech, Outback Motortech. Uh, we also got the Ventura Evo rack on the back, and I've got three packs now for that. We've got the small one, the middle size, and the big one, uh, the Jetstream packs, and they are brilliant. Uh, when I went and did the 40-second traverse, I um, took the middle-sized pack, uh, which was just big enough, and I didn't have to take a backpack or anything. But I was only doing an overnighter, so I really didn't have to carry much. In fact, carried more than I needed. I um, picked up a Ryobi battery, OnePlus battery inflator, you know, the thing that uses all the different batteries. So I picked up one of them and took that with me, thinking I might need to air down the tyres. But I got advised against that because apparently you don't get that much more traction by airing down and you risk getting a flat. So we didn't air down and I didn't need the inflator. Uh, what else have we got on the bike? Uh, the only other thing really is the quad lock. Uh, quad lock with vibration dampener and that's uh, that's kept my phone nice and safe on the handlebars. In fact, my phone was on the quad lock on the handlebars all the way around the 40 second traverse. No dramas whatsoever. Uh, and of course, the, the Tenere 700 has a uh, an auxiliary socket for, you know, like an old uh, car cigarette lighter socket. So you can chuck a, an adapter in for a couple of USB plugs and you can charge your, bi- charge your phone on the go. So um, the bike, the phone lived on the handlebars and uh, plugged it in, no dramas. Uh, spoiler alert, we made it around the 40-second traverse, no dramas, and now we're gearing up for our second trip, which will be the second episode, which we'll be going down south to, che- to check out the absolutely stunning and epic Molesworth Station. So looking forward to that. Uh, if you guys have got any photos or stories from uh, any epic rides around the country, love to hear from you. You can always get hold of us. You can uh, email us, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. You can uh, connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just search out Kiwi Rider Podcast on both of those platforms, and we'd love to, to hear from you. We Actually, I, I was out at the uh, supermarket the other day. I was riding the, um, the BMW G310GS, and I pulled up at the supermarket and there was a couple of young fellas outside the supermarket having a yarn with their motorbikes. One of them was the second generation facelift uh, Yamaha MT-07. So that caught my eye and I had a wee look at that. I had a good wee yarn to them and it was really nice catching up with those guys and they listened to the podcast as well. So g'day guys, um, thanks for listening and it was great to catch up. Uh, looking forward to doing a few more rides. So yeah, 2021 is rolling on. If there's anything that you want opinions on or if there's any uh, gear that you're thinking of buying and you want to know what what what's what like a I don't know maybe you're looking for a Bluetooth communicator you want to know the difference between Cardo or Senna we'd love to hear from you although Cardo and Senna we have done episodes on but if there's anything else you've got going on uh, we'd love to hear from you you can as I said you can always email us podcast at kiwirider.co.nz or get hold of us on Facebook or Instagram as well gotta say a massive thank you to Matt and onthrottle.co.nz for the news for this episode that about wraps us up this has been Kiwi Rider Podcast my name Ray here and thank you very much for joining us uh, we promise that we've got some longer episodes coming up absolutely I, I promise that is happening of course thank you very much to Motomuck 
If you've had a dirty weekend, check out motormark.co.nz for some no fast, no elbow grease cleaner for your motorcycle. Lots of other things they clean there as well. Uh, they are bringing you the brand new series, which is car- starting up in a couple of weeks' time, Great Rides of New Zealand. And they allow us to uh, to go around New Zealand, uh, do these rides. We're going to be f- recording episodes live on site, and uh, we're going to bring you those stories over the next four weeks or so. Anyway, this has been Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here, and thanks very much for joining us. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. Yeah.